Uh, Rai, are you ready for some rules? Ready for some rules. We're all protecting you. We have, we have all protected, protected you. you. About my marriage? About what you told us about your marriage. With the mostest? What you told us I don't ever bring anybody around me like that. Let me tell you something. The only thing. If I want to see that, I would have wrote it. Welcome to the Hot and Bravo podcast. I'm Armin, and I'm back for another Vanderpump Rules recap. And I'm joined once again by the enigmatic, I'm going to keep on calling him that until he Google searches it, gets the dictionary definition, the mercurial, the wonderful, the fantastic, the host of the Holly Shook podcast the greatest podcast of all time arguably ryan alkire how are you right i'm so good thank you for all this i'm sure kind compliments um i thought of you the other day because i was writing a story and i used the word solace s-o-l-a-c-e mm-hmm. solace solace, solace. Yep. Um, quantum of that's what i meant um <laughs> and i used it in a sentence and then realized I actually am not sure what that means. So I had to Google it to make sure that I was using it correctly, but I was, I was using it correctly. Um, I am famously a writer and I know (laughs) work. (laughs) So, yep. Um, Right. Could you have written a better episode of television than this latest episode of Vanderpump Rules? Probably, but um, <laughs> I know you weren't in love with this one, and, and we were loving last week's episode. No, and I take it, I, I didn't not love it. It just, I don't know, I feel like there's ups and downs um, right now with episodes in terms of drama. So, last episode, obviously, we had a ton of drama. We obviously did last week on this podcast, and the drama was a lot of like fights and confrontations and like that type of drama, which I love that type of drama. Like, that's what I live for. Um, so this week was more the aftermath of said fights and kind of not fight drama, but like talking behind people's back drama, I feel was the main thing this week, which I still love, but it's not, you know, it doesn't get my heart racing like some of the fights do. Yeah, they're inching towards drama, but we haven't reached the climax of the drama, right? Brett and Dana starting to hook up, that's presumably going to lead to some drama between Dana and Max, and maybe even between Max and Brett. Uh, And Dana and Sheena, I'm sure, even though they talked about it. Exactly. Kristen finding out about Vegas. Going to lead to some drama. We got a little bit this episode. Yeah. So it's more, it was more of a setup episode, which I still appreciate. Um, But, you know, I also brought this up last week. I am watching Real Housewives of New York for the first time from the beginning. So I've been watching about four to 12 episodes per night. And that that show just gets your heart racing every episode because even if there's not drama, they are talking so fast and they are yelling no matter what's going on. So I'm, I feel like my heart rate goes up watching Roni. So bravo, or so bravo. So Vanderpump Rules, actually, it's a nice break for my heart. It's like, please stop being stressed out all the time. I think that's exactly right. Like Vanderpump Rules... You know, currently in its current iteration, yeah. has some breather episodes, and I think this was a breather episode. We're gonna let things air out a little bit. We're gonna have some room to breathe. Let some things sort of mature. 
right? Yeah. Luckily, we didn't see pretty much any of Brittany and Jack's, um, which was a nice breath of fresh air as well. So I guess we should dive into it. Yeah, let's dive into it. Wait, before we do, do you want to plug yourself? I promised you a uh, beginning right. of episode plug last week. Right. We switched off every week. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'll plug myself. Thanks for having me. Thanks for allowing me to come back, by the way. Um, I thought this was a one-time thing in my contract. I said one time, and now every Tuesday and Wednesday I'm stuck doing this. But um, yeah, you guys can follow me on Twitter. I'm currently live tweeting my reactions to Roni, if you guys are interested in that. At the real Ray Alk, R Y A L K. Um, and then I tweet a lot of stupid shit. And you can follow me on Instagram at Ray Alk, R Y A L K. And I post a lot of stupid shit on there. So if you like stupid shit, follow me. I mean, I think that's a, a great sell. That's the hard sell yeah. right there. Yeah. yeah. Who doesn't like stupid shit nowadays? Right. And I'm like, I, I own it. I own it. You're the that Lisa Rinna of podcasting. Yeah. You own that was a Lisa Rinna reference. You don't even watch BH. I don't even watch that show, but someone on RuPaul's Drag Race portrayed Lisa Rinna in this past episode and kept yelling, own it, own it. Um, speaking of owning it, Schwartz did not own his actions. Well, he great kind of half up. owned it. Yeah, great <laughs> I set you up for a really good segue there. You really did. You really did. That was a, that was a layup, an assistant to a layup right there. <laughs> And you know what's funny, right? In Holly Shook, our bit is that we're terrible at segues, but I feel like on Hot and Bravo, we're great at segues. We're really good at them, actually, here. Um, he did not own his mistakes. He did not own his words. Did he? He barely apologized in that scene. Okay, so what he says is that he's dumbfounded and confused by the way Katie reacted. Right. He says, Katie, stop being a social justice warrior. Which I kind of said last week. You did. You did. Yeah. But I have to say, coming from Schwartz, that line really pisses me off because he defends Jax. Not that Jax is a social justice warrior, but he's like the inverse, right? Yeah. He screams and wails anytime anyone has the mildest form of criticism against him. Or even if they don't criticize him, but they just don't do something he agrees with, which maybe isn't a social ju justice warrior, right? Because nothing he does is advocating for justice. Right. But it's just advocating for himself and his own selfish purposes. Yeah. That's just as annoying. Your least favorite thing about Tom Schwartz is that he's friends with Jax. <laughs> you, bring, you bring it up every time Tom Schwartz gets brought up. Anybody who associates <laughs> themselves with Jax, right, <laughs> has to own that as their worst attribute in life. <laughs> no, I agree. I mean... Yeah, he can he can stand up for Jax more than he can stand up for his girlfriend. Even and I just think even if you don't necessarily agree with what Katie said, which I don't agree either. Right. You know, at least see where she's coming from and be her fucking husband. On this episode too, he said, "I've been the I'm the best or worst boyfriend in the world." Award, and she was like, eh, "And husband." <laughs> like, He's like, he "Oh yeah, I forgot." He doesn't even know. He's so dumb. <laughs> I love him. Um. But yeah, he goes on to say, I think in his confessional, not even in person, but I think in his confessional, he's like, yeah, I was super grossed out by what I did. And I think he tells Katie that too. And he says he has to take it. He had to take a shower the next day. Yeah. He does say to her um, in the end of their conversation, like, I'm so sorry for what I said. And I feel so gross and I feel bad about it, blah, blah, blah. But it was like, it, it was like the Tom Shorts thing of almost to me, like, 
I don't want to talk about this anymore. So I'm just going to I'm say, Bubba, I'm so sorry, Bubba. Bubba, no, I'm so sorry. And then it's over. Because that if Tom Schwartz does that to anyone, then it's over. You know? And he also said, you know how I'm so non-confrontational. You know I hate this sort of thing. And I feel like it's become gaslighting at this point that Schwartz hates confrontation. Because he's constantly getting into confrontations. Yeah. But he's he, the way he acted last week was was rare form for Tom Schwartz. We will say. Is it though? Like I feel like that's the portrayal of Schwartz, and I have bought into this too. I really have. I mean, I've met the guy. I've had a beer with him. He's a nice guy. Yeah. And he portrays himself as this affable, kind, non-confrontational dude. Yeah. He poured a beer on Stassi. Yeah. Poured a beer on Katie. Yeah. He yelled at Stassi or whatever and called her a bitch. Well, <laughs> and then he said those horrible things to to Katie uh, last year in Mexico. Oh, and uh, let's not forget the whole lead up to their wedding where it was constant, 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 constant berating by Schwartz while he was wearing the muumuu. The muumuu, it's an excuse, though. He can <laughs> it's excused if he's wearing the muumuu. Um, no, I'm I get he has done it before. I'm not saying he's never, ever acted this way, but. In comparison to some of his friends and colleagues and peers, it is, it's not as common. So I think that's why when it does happen, like, for instance, you can count on your fingers how many times he's done it. You know, you can name every instance. Kristen Doty couldn't name how many times she's freaked out. Stassi couldn't name how many times she's freaked out. Kate, you know, like, you can't even name the amount of times everyone else has acted that way. So that's what I'm saying with, at least with Tom Schwartz, it's so rare in perspective, when you put it in perspective. Right, because the standards are so low in the Vanderpump Rules universe. Right. Hey, I'm not saying it's a good thing he's acted that way, okay? <laughs> I'm not saying, like, good for him, he's only done it 12 times, but, like, it's just, you know, I think it's it's part of his... Like, his you think his charm. perception is skewed, like, when he says, oh, I'm totally non-confrontational, it's because he's looking at at it relatively to his peers, and his peers happen to be, like you said, crazy Kristen, freaking yeah. Jax Taylor, yeah, et cetera, et cetera. So while we look at it and we go, I've never poured a beer on a single human, and I really haven't. Hmm. I'm trying to think if I have. No, someone threw, a, um, someone threw a cup of ice with like melted vodka soda, like the remnants of a vodka soda cup at my face once at Flaming Saddles in West Hollywood. Really? Um, Oh yeah, that's a whole other show we could get into. I kind of blocked out of my head. It was insane. It was so, and it was a friend. It was quote unquote unquote a friend of mine. Do I know this Shout person? You've met him. Um, we'll talk about it off the air. Okay. <laughs> but um, yeah, I've had it. I've had something thrown at me, and it was because of a very sarcastic joke that was like not even a personal dig. Um, and I was shocked. So like I, yeah, I think the throwing beer on or a drink on anyone is absolute trash and that's never excusable so and he's fine. done it twice okay fine tom short is trash but at least, <laughs> it's good. at least it's good tv and i will never forget tom or i'll never forget the sound of katie's voice when he threw a drink on her head in cabo and she's like tom no tom <laughs> she's like the wicked west getting melted by dorothy <laughs> she's devastated in that moment there's some probably great still shots Oh, I love that moment. So good. Um, yeah, so Tom kind of apologized, like half apologized. I don't know if 
He was almost like guilting Katie into apologizing. I don't know if she apologized. No, she didn't. I actually like that, that she, you know, stood firm, stood her ground. Because yeah. I, I would say even it, it, even if Tom got annoyed at her and was like annoyed or like angry, but didn't say anything, like didn't say the things that he had said. Like even if he had calmly been like, Katie, you're being like really annoying, like pulled her aside, confronted her, like, whatever. Then I think that she could have apologized because, you know, if he was able to, like, lay it out for her. But his behavior overshadowed what she was doing. So it kind of erased the need for an apology from her. She says, I'm not going to apologize for what I did. Right. She blatantly says it. And it's funny because Schwartz says, wow, such a great moment turned sour. Yeah. Blaming Katie. Right. It was Katie that made it weird. <laughs> and it's like, uh-huh. whoa, you escalated the situation, but we don't need to litigate this any further. Um, this is, you said it, this is the cycle of Schwartz. Schwartz yeah. fucks up. He doesn't really ever want to deal with it. And he just like backtracks and says like, okay, yeah, I'm kind of sorry, but not really sorry. You know, you really did it wrong. I didn't really do anything that wrong, but I kind of was wrong. I'm kind of grossed out by it. I don't want to have any more con- confrontation. Let's move on. Yeah. And then everyone moves on. Everyone moves on. Yeah, that, that's was, kind of how he dealt with cheating on Katie, by the way. Yeah, true. Very that. And see, I, I almost, I already forgot that he cheated on her. So it's like very, like, you kind of, you fit, you forgive and you forget with shorts. I just kind of forget that he ever has done anything bad. Um, but I also famously am in love with him and have been since the second I saw him on my TV screen. So it's just kind of one of those things. Um, speaking of one of those things, mm. apparently being sassy towards Richardson is just one of those things. Oh my god. I'm not sure if this triggered a memory for you too, but when they showed how like Danica was like sassy towards Richardson, they didn't show it, but they referenced Richardson and they had a clip of Richardson. I remembered Richardson was the person that James berated. Yeah, no, Richardson has gone through it on this show and he's not even on the show. Yeah, and why? <laughs> like why? And Richardson uh, was actually the cause, not the cause. I don't mean to say that because he's not the cause, but that tiff was the cause of James's first ever firing from mm-hmm. Sir Slash Pump, if you remember. I do remember that, yes. I was trying to remember, because I remember when they brought up Richardson, I was like, he's, someone's yelled at him before, but I couldn't remember who it was. So James, yes, that checks out. Yeah, and there was that whole scene where James had to apologize to Richardson at Pump. Yeah. My God, yes, and they sent him down at pump. Oh my God, so awkward. Also, Richardson has worked at every restaurant that Lisa Vanderpump owns. Like, oh, she's like new restaurant Richardson. Yeah, now he's at Tom Tom. That's how they reference him, like Tom Tom's manager or something. Yeah. <laughs> so I guess Richardson is just like a professional pumper. Um, yeah. But never on the show except when he gets yelled at. Except when he gets yelled at, and it's just a quick shot to him. Love Richardson. He deserves more. He really does. Um, unless is he doing something? Like, what's up with the fact that he keeps on uh, getting yelled at? Is it his fault, you think? Maybe? I think, um, and I have absolutely no evidence to back this. I'm just literally making it up right now. But I feel like he's been, he's always a manager. So I feel like, but he's not on the show manager. So I feel like his job is literally to just be a manager. Um, So he maybe does a lot of more of the disciplining or a lot more of the, like, keeping the rule like he runs the restaurant you know max is the manager but he's also on the tv show like he's he has two jobs he's eye candy yeah and he's eye candy oh my god (laughs) don't get me started i love him um 
And like Danica is apparently a manager. I still assistant really manager. Assistant manager. <laughs> um, but I think her main job is to like start drama on the show. I was also confused with that scene because they pulled her aside to be like, "Hey, you messed up. You messed up two of your tables." And I was like, do managers have tables? Like, I work at a restaurant and my managers don't have tables. Like, they're not, like, serving people. So how does she mess that up? I'm confused. I have no idea. I guess she charged. And I, yeah, and I don't know the intricacy here, the details. But. I think just, yeah, and I'm trying to figure out, like, so I feel like I figured out most of the people's places in the show. I'm still trying to figure out Danica and Charlie's. I'm like... I feel like they're setting Danica up as, like, the mess. Like, almost like the new Kristen. Like, you're a mess. Mm -hmm. You're always fucking up. Like, you have no control of your life. um, Type thing. And, like, it was shown in the the funeral for a dog. Where she, like, yells at Max, like, randomly. Um, And then Charlie is just, like, kind of a mess. And is, like... But, like, not a mess. She's just, like, the quirky one. I don't know. They're just... They just... They kind of both seem like floaters right now. And I'm trying to figure out what their deal is. Because they keep giving scenes to Danica of like with Lisa, like pulling her aside. But I don't really get why. Can I make a quick comment right here? Yeah. This episode had a lot of just like in a vacuum scenes. Yeah. That didn't connect to any story. But it seems to me that they have some sort of obligation to give screen time to every single character. Yeah. So like Britney had like one 30 second scene where it's like Britney's back to work at Sir and she's like, is this table one or table two? Yeah. And Peter's like, okay, no. <laughs> like, I forgot that she's working at Sir again. And also, because it was like, a nothing scene, it meant nothing. Yeah. But they just like couldn't go a whole episode without showing Britney. Like, that would be blasphemous. But then there, there was even like a Charlie confessional, which didn't fit yeah. in at all. She's just like, yeah. I need my boobs. Tia and Tamara. Sister, sister. Um, this is not a drama plot point, but just since this is famously now a Raquel podcast and we only talk about Raquel, um, and we don't have to dwell on this because it's not, it's a nothing, but I just want to give a shout out to Queen Raquel for being so good at axe throwing. That was another scene thrown in there. It's like, oh, it turns out, by the way, like Raquel is an expert, expert, an expert, axe yeah, thrower. That- yeah, she was good. She was good, and she even made the expert um, kind of funny little jokes. So yeah, good she for made her. the pun herself. Yeah, we uh, we legally have to give um, a shout out to Raquel now in every episode. So that was our Raquel shout out. She wasn't really in the episode otherwise. Really, they didn't really give much time to her. And that's what I'm saying. This episode had a lot of that, and this Danica scene was one of those. It's like, well, she charged one table two hundred dollars more because she mixed it up with the other table, and she also, I guess, was sassy to Richardson or something, and. It was a really big Dana episode. Um, Huge Dana episode. Yeah, I feel like there's a lot of Dana at the beginning, and then the wedding happened, and it kind of, like, fell to the wayside. Um, I mean, first, my first reaction right now is, and Dallas and I both said this when we watched it, what an honor. Lisa is investing in, in Dana. She recognizes that Dana is the next star of the show and is investing because Lisa came to her birthday party. And Lisa showing up to your event, let alone your birthday, that's an honor. And that is that is making a statement that Lisa cares about Dana. She doesn't show up to everyone's birthday. Right. I do remember in season two, she did show up to Sheena's birthday, if I remember correctly. I can't remember. She didn't show up to Marrakesh in season one for Stassi's birthday. Marrakesh, famously. Famously Marrakesh. Yeah. 
<laughs> um, but yeah, no, you're right. That's huge. She had some one-on-one with Dana, right, in this episode? I think. She brought, um, well, she ran into Dana at her birthday party. They talked um, a little bit to the side, and Dana's sister was there. Um, and they kind of connected, which Dana had a moment about her mom dying. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Lisa kind of was like, you know, my mom just died. I know what you're going through. Blah, blah, blah. Had like a little moment. Um, met her sister. And I don't know. My my take on it is that I think that Dana, and I th- we've said this since the beginning of the season, is kind of the breakout of the new cast. Um, Big time. And I just think that was really telling that, that Lisa came to her birthday party because that's, you, you know... Lisa, Lisa's time is valuable. It's precious. She doesn't have all the time in the world, I assume. Um, well, I mean, I don't know about that. She only has like four restaurants and right. reality TV and she produces other stuff. And she has a restaurant in Vegas, which she has to right. go out to sometimes on yeah. now and but again. Like, I guess when you put it that way, then I guess it's she probably has a lot of time to yeah. go to parties. So yeah. never mind. Take that. You know, scratch the, that busy, yeah. scratch the second. Um, But let's get into Dana's storyline, because like you said, that's the meat of the episode, and I really want to get your thoughts on it, because you, so far, have been famously anti-Brett. Yes, 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 yes. You don't understand him, you don't like him, you've said that you've become less attracted to him by the episode, you know, at first, I guess you were in awe of his abs, you said, something to that effect. I just was like, if he doesn't have his shirt on, or if he does, yeah, if he has his shirt on, what's the point, you know? What's the point? Okay. Now your favorite, Dana, and she's my favorite too, by the way. I think she has been doing this reality TV thing expertly as a newbie. Yeah. Um, now Dana is interested in Brett, and it starts off at that axe-throwing party, and yes. Brett asks Dana out to lunch. They go out to lunch. Um, it's interesting because Brett asks Dana out to lunch, and then asks his good friend Max if it's cool. It's like, well, right. order of ops, my right. guy, come on. Um, that was not PEMDAS. No, 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 no. Um, definitely that's a P thing. You you mm-hmm. first, you 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 go to Max first, and he may have gotten confused because Max's name, you know, starts with an M. Yeah, let's cut the math analogy. I'm already confused. <laughs> <laughs> and then um, he asks Max if it's cool. Max apparently is cool with it. Chill. They go on, out on the date. And she's smitten, right? She really seems to like Brett. What are your thoughts? Okay. You know I hate going back on my word. You know I'm stubborn. If I have an opinion, it's the only correct one, and I will never budge. I still find Brett... I still don't understand how Brett got on this show. Like I said last time, I'm just like, of all the hot people in, in L.A., there had to be someone who at least had a better personality than him. I had lived in LA for six and a half years, so maybe I'm incorrect because everyone there is boring, but there had to be at least one person more exciting than him in the world. I will say, watching him interact with Dana on the date was a little more bearable than it has been in other episodes interacting with you know we've mostly gotten brett with sheena which that obviously is going to be cringy to watch brett sheena with any man is not easy to watch sheena's the common denominator there speaking of right right we've had his weird like thing where he like personal trains lisa but also they just like flirt the whole time and make like sexual innuendos 
So I'm like, I hate that. Um, and then that's really all he's done all season. And maybe it's Dana. Maybe, and then he had that weird cha- date with Charlie, which was like really uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, so maybe it's Dana. Maybe, and you know, it goes back to Dana, who we all love. Maybe she's the one who made him feel more comfortable and more relatable. Because I will say it was it was the first time all season that I've been like, okay, like, I get it. He's still not like anything to write home about, but he's not terribly boring and awful. Well, I think his launch pad, and you may hate this, Rye. I probably will. I think his launch pad was the five-year running YouTube channel. I do. I mean, I get it that he's been he's been Lisa's personal trainer for whatever, however long. Um, so obviously he already had the in with her, and I'm sure they've gotten to know each other pretty well. And you know that's probably how he got on the show. But I just am like, I don't know. I just don't find him exciting. There's also theories. This is kind of like BTS, but like Ooh. there's like theories that they the editors have edited part of Brett's story out of the season. Because of the racist tweets. What? Have you heard that? No, because he's been, like, fairly prominent. But if you also, like, compare him to Dana's storyline and Max's storyline, who are kind of, and Raquel, who are kind of, like, the newbies, I would say other than, like, Danica and Charlie, like, Brett has been the least, the least focused on compared to Max, Raquel, and Dana. But that's weird, though, because Max was in that whole scandal too, right? Yes, but I think that, I don't know, I, I and this is just a theory, okay? I don't have any evidence, but I think Max's storylines, at least thus far, have been more crucial to the overall plot, where mm. I don't think, you know, maybe there was more with Sheena and Brett that got cut out, but who fucking cares? Whereas I feel like Max was tied to Dana the whole first half of the season, Max and Tom's, the Tom's are friends, whereas Brett kind of isn't really friends with anyone, so it's a lot easier to cut him out. That could That's be. Just, that could be. Just a rumor I heard. Just a rumor I heard. Um, but obviously they're going back on that now because he's probably going to be a main part of the rest of the season. I think it's very difficult to to edit an entire season of reality TV, or any TV, mind you, especially on the fly like that. Because if I remember correctly, those tweets were uncovered a few days before the season premiered. Yes. Um, and it is hard. Side note for anyone who watches RuPaul's Drag Race, they did edit out there's a sexual predator on this season and it came out the week of the premiere. Um, they've edited did that drag queen almost entirely out of the whole season. Um, That's nuts. Has no confessionals. They don't give her any screen time. She has one, two challenges. So during those, during the challenges, they'll show her, but they don't do nearly as much coverage of her performance. Um, so it is possible. It's hard. It's probably a lot of money and a lot of time. But I don't know. Also, I would say that I don't know. You don't want to. You don't want to compare two scandals. But I would say the person on Drag Race, what they did, is a lot more. A lot more bad a lot more bad uh, a lot more, a lot worse than the tweets they sent the tweets are awful and depressing and stupid and terrible yeah. but um yeah i don't know but that was just a conspiracy theory side tidbit i love this i, I love side tidbits yeah i guess brett will be uh 
will be featured more. You don't check, see, this is Armin, you don't check Twitter after the episode. I don't. My favorite thing to do is I watch Vanderpump Rules, I watch any TV show, and instantly I go on Twitter and just search the fucking hashtag for hours on end. I like wait, I spend more time on Twitter after the show than I spent watching it. Because I love seeing what people are saying, and that is a conspiracy theory. All my Bravo heads out there, all my true Bravo fans, back me up on this. I don't want my opinions to be formed by, you know, Twitter. So, But I form my own opinions, and then I check Twitter, and I like the ones that I agree with, and then I am mad at the ones that I don't agree with. Do you block the ones that you don't agree with? Huh? Do you block the ones that you don't agree with? No, I don't have the time. (laughs) But you have the time to scroll through Twitter for hours. Um, I thought it was funny that Dana said to Brett, at, le- at least thinking about you when when I was watching this. Mm, that's so nice of you. When Dana said, you know, Brett, you look for depth in people, um, but you oh. also very much love the Instagram models. <laughs> and I think that's what I hate about Brett is that <laughs> he relies so much on his looks and half of his personality is his looks, but he also like, at any given opportunity will be like, I need a girl who will like be deep with me. And like, I'm not about like the looks and like, I'm, I like getting like below the surface and I'm like, okay, but then like half your brand is that you have abs. So I don't really get it. Like, where's the line? And then Dana said something about how all the girls, um, he, he dates or like he's dated, are those Instagram models with like black hair and like a certain body type. And he's like, well, I like something to like grab onto. And it's like, wait, or do you want the depth or do you just want something to grab onto? And like, I'm, I get it. Like there's girls you want to date and there's girls you just want to fuck. <laughs> I assume that's how straight men think. Um, I guarantee not a single straight man listens to this podcast, so I doubt I'll get as any feedback. Um, but... Give Ryan feedback if you're a straight man who listens to this podcast. Okay, tweet all... at Ryan at the real Ryan Alk and let him know. Is that how you think? Please, it, uh, for all the straight listeners, straight male listeners out there, which there's bountiful of you, um, please let me know. I just have to know if that's how you guys think. Um, I assume that's how Brett thinks, and I don't know. I just, I just don't. I, I guess I just can't get a grasp on Brett. I'm like, I don't get his point. I don't get his personality. I don't get his brand. He's all over the place to me, but he's also nowhere to me because he's like not in the show. So I'm just confused by him. Did you catch that an analogy that he made where he's like, like, I've only been in one relationship in my life, and it was such a hard relationship. Like I just want to find that kind of love, but. You know, I always felt like I was riding shotgun, but not even shotgun when you're in the side seat, but shotgun when you're in the back seat, but not like when you're in the back seat and it's cool, like if you're being chauffeured around, but like when you're in, in the back seat because you're a child. It's the back seat because you're a child. He also, I think at one point, not like back seat because like you're in an Uber. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, it's so poetic of you. I didn't even understand what he was saying. I had no idea. I was like, wait, so now you're driving? I'm confused. I'm like, I can't. I feel yeah. like the editors only included that confessional because it was so batshit. No, because it's insane. <laughs> and yeah, it was in a confessional. I remember that. Yeah, I, I remember I was like, I kind of like was going for it. I was like, okay, yeah, like I, I get this. And then he's like, but not even like backseat, like in an Uber. And I was like, okay, it's over. Like, cut. <laughs> 
Next scene. <laughs> oh, we know, man. You know how to end analogies, like, when they're inappropriate. PEMDAS. You know, that was not... Right. That we should have ran with. And here, Brett is just trying to, like, prove that he knows what an analogy is. And, like, is that even an analogy? Is it a metaphor? I couldn't tell you. But one or the other, it was bad. It didn't work. Um, you would think you would want to ride shotgun with your partner, right? Right. Um, but yeah, maybe not in the back seat. But but the whole like Uber chauffeur child, it it, it was too, it was almost too many metaphors analogies in one. And then I pictured that like he was like that his ex girlfriend was his mom, and it just like got really weird. And like I, I also just, went there too. I was like, wait, were you saying that she was mothering you, or that there was a mother child sort of relationship there dynamic? I don't know. I'm imagining him like in a like kid's seat, like in a baby seat. Like I was like confused. I'm like, I don't like this. It's like the least sexy thing ever. Let's briefly mention that uh, they end up kissing at Dana's right. birthday. And then he slaps her ass in front of everyone. So they're public now, I guess. And we should also mention that while Brett told Max, Dana felt the obligation to tell Sheena. Yeah. She tells Sheena about the lunch after the lunch, of course. And I think a part of it is that she wasn't sure what it was going into the lunch. But then after the lunch, she tells Sheena, uh, you know, I may have feelings for Brett. So something to monitor. Uh, Sheena wasn't too hyped on it. Although, of course, in classic Sheena fashion, she tells Dana to her face. She says, I don't care. Yeah, I don't care. Why would I care? I don't care. Confessional, she says, Dana is going out with Brett to throw a fuck you in Max's face, and that shows what kind of person she is. All I have to say to that is Rob. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Rob, Rob was <laughs> fucking Mike Shea's friend. Yeah. Oh, my God. Mm. I forgot about that. Sheena's doing a little projecting here. Oh, my God. She, she. <laughs> nay, nay. Um, Sheena was a mess this episode. Um... The whole, like, you could tell she was upset by what Dana said to her. I'm pretty sure she started crying. Um, she blames it on her medication and her, like, thing where she's freezing her eggs, which is, like, really stressful, and I'm, like, ready for that storyline to be over. Um, but I, I will say, I will say, I did feel for Sheena in her confessional when she said, you know, in fewer words, said, like, I'm watching all the people around me fall in love and get married and start planning families, and that's all I've ever wanted, and it's something I had at one point but lost, and it's something I've always wanted to have, so to watch other people have it and know that I have, like, no opportunities for it at the moment. She's like, I'm 34, and I'm freezing my eggs, like, just just to hold on to some hope that it'll happen to me one day. And, like... I don't know. I felt I felt bad for Sheen in that moment because it was real. Like that was like that's like really why she's doing it. And I think Sheena often goes to the like kind of like <laughs> like kind of like flirty, cheerleadery like persona when she's talking about that type of stuff. But at the end of the day she does, you know, Sheena is a romantic and she does want the husband and the kids and the everything. So I did feel bad for her, I will say, for the first time and probably ever. I mean, I think Lala called her out perfectly, um, maybe execution-wise, uh, not so much. As she said, uh, she sort of triggered Sheena and made her cry. Right. Um, but I think uh, the substance was 100% spot on when, when Lala was like, you always act like everything's perfect. 
You're always saying, my life's great. Everything's perfect. I love everyone. I love these guys I'm around. And she's like, just be real. Just be transparent. Because you're always around these single guys and saying, they're my BFF. And they did that whole flashback series. Yeah. Where it's like, Adam is my BFF. I love him. Uh, Rob's my BFF. Uh, Brett's just my BFF. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. All these guys. She constantly says, my BFF. Oh, Max, earlier this season. Yeah, Max is just my best friend. Love that guy. My best friend. Right. And she's like, Sheena, you're always uh, best BFFs with these single guys. And Sheena's like, well, I love to have single guy friends. And she's like, but right. haven't you noticed that you're always interested in those guys? Yeah. 100% spot on. But right, I have to say, that whole montage when Sheena says, everyone around me is you know, getting married, starting their lives, together, couples... And they started showing like Jackson Brittany, mm-hmm. Stassi and Bo, Tom and Katie, Sandoval and Ariana, even a cut of James and Raquel. Yeah. That really tripped me out. I will say that was a good scene and that was like an emotional scene. And I, it felt like a very real, honest, raw moment from Sheena. And I just don't feel like we've really gotten a very honest scene from Sheena in multiple seasons she's kind of been the joke for the past few seasons and it's very easy to make her the joke we make her the joke on the regular (laughs) and you know i have a soft spot for sheena because she's terrible but i love her um and so i i I enjoyed that scene it's it was sad but i was like at least she kind of finally was like honest about how she's feeling and didn't like pretend like you know she's always just pretending and that was a real raw moment and i think lala brought it out of her which is good reality tv because that's reality TV and Lala knows what she's doing sometimes, even if she's being a bitch. Um, okay, I want to bring up two, the last two moments that I want to give, um, I want to do less dissecting and more just opinion because um, I think it's, I think these next two storylines are going to be big in the next coming episodes. Yes. Reaction on Stasi being so dramatic that Bo hasn't proposed yet when Bo is secretly planning the proposal for the next two weeks. It's so on brand for Stasi. Yeah, I think um, she she even says it like she likes to control everything in her life. Yeah, and this is the one thing she can't control. And when she's talking about the witches of WeHo Wine, she's like, "I realize I don't like to be in a democracy. I like to be a dictator." Right. And you know what? She's not dictating is this fucking proposal. Right. And she's not going to Katie it and put an ultimatum, as she said in this episode. Now is she going to guilt the shit out of Bo? Yeah. Until he does it as quickly as possible. Yeah. But that's different. She can't outright say, if you don't do this by this date, which is her preferred date, then I'm going to break up with you. Stasi doesn't operate like that because it doesn't fit her moral code. Right. However, she does want what she wants. <laughs> yeah. And, and she will guilt you and, uh, and hint at it until she gets it. Um, my reaction is I'm like, Stasi, shut the fuck up and just let him do it because he's planning it. And I want to scream through the TV. He's going to propose to you in two weeks and he has a perfect proposal. Just shut the fuck up about it. Um, unfortunately I cannot say that to her. And my other thing is the only reason I think that you guys know, I like to go like behind the scenes and like, look at it from like a producer's point of view. Um, I also believe that Saucy is a smart businesswoman and smart reality star. She knows she needs to be proposed to on camera and the summer is coming to an end. The season is coming to an end. I think her main thing is Bo, 
you have about one month to propose to me if we want this to be on the next season, because otherwise you're going to have to wait a whole nother year until next season. And I'm not waiting another year. So I think it's less like she's afraid that he won't do it. I think it's more so like fucking make it happen so we can have our engagement proposal on camera, bitch. Which should. That's exactly right, Rye. She knows he will propose. Yeah. She's not afraid of them breaking up or him not proposing eventually, but she wants it on camera and everyone needs it on camera. I would feel cheated out of not having the proposal on camera. So she's like, clock's a ticking, babe. We have about one month left of shooting. So figure it out. That's the elephant in the room that they can't talk about because it's kind of like, you know, breaking the fourth wall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They can't say it. They can't say it on the show. But I mean, it's clearly what she's thinking. But I also like Saucy, like, trust Bo. He's not an idiot. Right, but she may be worried genuinely that he wants to do it next season, aka one year from now. Yeah, 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 true. But and I think she doesn't want to wait one year. The fact that that they're talking about it so much is kind of like he knows what he's doing. Just let him fucking do it, and like stop crying and walking out on him on dinner. Just like let it fucking happen. Um, I also thought that back and forth though was so real. Yeah, it was, and relatable as hell because the way it devolves like it starts off really cute and like she's glowing and he's like mm-hmm. you know we have kids someday which by the way that's the tell Stasi. no oh, i'm like he's girl. talking about kids he's a guy talking about kids right that never happens so that's why i'm like it's obviously happening just let him fucking do it on his own time and it was a really cute scene and they always have really cute real scenes and i appreciate that about them yeah i feel like even i feel like yeah because he wants it to be a surprise. And even if he were to be like, Saucy, I'm going to do it and it's going to happen soon. Just let me fucking not tell you when would ruin the surprise. I think that it's going to be really fun when she doesn't see it coming. Speaking of surprises and not seeing things coming. Yes. Kristen didn't see Tom and Katie's wedding in Vegas coming, clearly. Yeah. Because she wasn't invited. I'm sad for Kristen. Um, I think this was the moment where Kristen was like, wow, this is bigger than, not like bigger than I thought it was, but like, this is like more finite than I thought it was because that is a big deal. Like not inviting her to your, even though it's a fake wedding and she was in the real wedding, not being invited is, is definitely a very deliberate slap in the face as the wine night was, but obviously on a much bigger scale than the wine night. I think it's kind of cruel, Rye. I think it's cruel too. And I, I do think that Katie is being dramatic and drastic and not thinking about it. I wish I wish they could just, and they almost had the opportunity during the, the Witches of WeHo meeting, to sit down sober in the middle of the day and just have a talk about it. Because even this talk at the bar, obviously they're drunk. Katie, Kristen starts crying before she says anything. I'm like, that's not going to get you anywhere. I just want them to like be adults about it and have a conversation. And Kristen's feelings are legitimate and they're like they're justified to be like you're not inviting me to your fake wedding like we've been friends for over a decade yeah we're not in the best of spots right now but like that's a life thing that's not like a wine night that's not a birthday party that's like a life thing that I'm not being invited to and that's crazy I think it's especially cruel because there's no inciting incident like we've been talking about this for a long time it is a slow erosion of the yep. friendship, but Kristen didn't really do anything. They're yeah. basically mad at her for being annoying, but like it's fucking Kristen Doty. You've known this yeah. about her. Like nothing's new about Kristen. In fact, she's probably less annoying today than she was 
seven, eight years ago. Now Stassi's made the point. We've grown, but you haven't grown with us, blah, blah, blah. Okay, fine. Whatever. But you've always known what you've gotten into with Crazy Kristen, okay? Yeah. If anything, your uh, baseline of craziness, right, you know, was started much lower than, than Kristen's, right? So, yeah, obviously you matured to a certain level, but Kristen had to start from a much higher point of craziness to get where she is today. You're, it's always yeah. going to be disproportionate. You can't expect her to get to your level. Maybe in 20 right. years she'll be at your level today. But in 20 years from now, you'll be at a different place too. And also checking in, you know, two months ago when she had just broken up with Carter, just moved out for the first time, not lived with him for the first time. You know, that's the emotional, which, you know, at the end of the day, they're mad at her for the whole Carter thing. That's what started it, quote unquote you know, checking in when that just started and it was so raw and so new and such a big change for her versus now two months later where, like, you haven't even bothered to ask how, you know, for all you know, she could be totally agreeing with everything you said two months ago because now she's out of it. And I just am, like, annoyed that Katie and Stassi aren't even just, like, having the conversation. Just have the conversation. Yeah, and you're right that they could have done it at that uh, Villa Blanca brunch but they were just talking business, I guess. Um, but it was wild when Sheena's like, yeah, Max is invited. Max! Oh, yeah, because, yeah. I guess, I but she says Schwartz and, and Max are like best friends, which I didn't yeah. know at all. Yeah, I didn't either. They don't really but, show it on the show. I mean, they have been hanging out. Like, they all went skateboarding together or whatever, blah, blah, blah. Um, but that's, a, I don't know. It's, it's like with the wine night that Raquel was invited and Kristen wasn't. It's like Max is invited. And you're, it's like slaps in the face after slaps in the face. Just consistently from Katie. And and then I they know. have the talk, right? And, and Kristen's like, how can you not invite me to the wedding? And Katie says, it's only family. It's clearly not only family. In fact, no family is there. It's Lala and Randall, <laughs> Lisa and Ken, Stassi, Bo, and Max. You know, your usual family, Katie's family. And it's like, okay, fine, your metaphorical family, your 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 non-blood family, but it's the family you choose. But yeah. you can't use that as the excuse. Yeah. Like, if it was just your mom and dad. Right. But you're inviting freaking Max. There's no way they've known Max that long. Like, maybe they've known him for two years, they but met, we didn't know that, that. They met him when they opened TomTom, I'm almost positive, because they hired him at TomTom. Um, so they've known him for one year at the point yeah. of, uh, in the show that a we're year. watching? One year. Yeah. I mean, Kristen introduced y'all. You can't even throw her a bone. I know. I'm really sad. I feel bad for Kristen at this point. Um, and I don't know. That just really sucks. And hopefully Katie will realize her mistakes later later down the road. I want to leave you with this one line paraphrased from, from Kristen. And I want to get your reaction. Okay. She said to Katie, I love you more than anyone in the world. And I would run in front of traffic for you. She then says something to the effect of, I can't believe you're leaving me when I need my friends the most. As we know, Kristen and Katie were the original duo before Katie and Stasi. They even have matching tattoos. Oh my God. Yeah. Unfortunately. <laughs> um, I agree. I think it's I think it's just it's like a high school thing of like we're not friends anymore and we're not friends. It's like very like I don't know, it just feels it feels cheap and it feels lazy and it feels almost like Katie's like, I'm better than you, so why would I be your friend? And yeah, I think Kristen's coming out of this looking like more mature of being like, 
what? Like, this is not realistic. Like, we can get, be, be in a fight. You cannot invite me to your wine night. You can be mad at me for whatever. But, like, this is taking it too far. And I agree. Mm. Just, like, you don't just, like, cut someone out of your life after over 10 years. 10 years? For, for something that not concrete as well. Like, I feel like there's not even... Katie can't even tell her why she's not inviting her other than she wants a break. Which, like, okay, have a break, but, like, I can still come to Vegas. <laughs> it was kind of like a breakup. It's very a breakup, yeah. I'm over it. I hope they, like, make up. I mean, who knows if they're friends right now based on social media. They're not really hanging out. But that could be, like, just to help the show, like, make leave us in suspense type thing. Well, and, I think we uh, mentioned it all, right? We covered it all as per usual. We always do. Um, great times. I'm ready to see how the rest of the season goes. Um, I'm going to keep um, keep live streaming, live tweeting um, Roni. I'm just like becoming slow, slowly but surely a Bravo girl after only being strictly the underground girls for years. Um, well, you so- famously, if people listen uh, to our Holly Shook podcast, they know that you famously catch on to fads like yeah. 10 to 15 years after the fact. Right. I just watched Sex in the City for the first time a couple months ago. Right. Um, Roni about, uh, about, yeah, 12 years late. Um, it's just kind of my thing. So if you guys have anything that was made before the 2000s, like, let me know. I'd love to watch it. I've been trying to get you on Seinfeld for, for a long time, but I think you, I almost, I missed the mark on that one because I feel like with you, there's like a zone. So if it gets too old, you don't fuck with it. Too old. And also I need, like, I need to be gayer than Seinfeld. I'm sorry. (laughs) Like it has to be gayer than Seinfeld. Seinfeld's great. It's universal. Yeah, whatever. It's boring. Um, well, thank you for having me on, Armin. And I can't wait to be back next week. I can't wait to have you back, right? Uh, do you want to plug yourself again? I'll give you a second plug. Okay, fine. You can follow me at Twitter at the real Alk, R-Y-A-L-K, or on Instagram at RyeAlk, or at the Holly Shook Pod, or at Holly Shook Pod is our other podcast I do with Armin. Yeah, uh, you, you guys should catch us there. Uh, again, we've said this before. We'll say it again. If you love this podcast, you'll definitely love that podcast. If you hate this podcast, you'll also definitely love that podcast. Yeah. That podcast, uh, we're talking about the Holly Shook podcast. Just like Seinfeld, it's universe. Um, but it's better than Seinfeld. Um, anyway, but thanks for having me. Can't wait to talk next week. Bye. Bye.